times. Soulmates usually tend to take it easy on us. They, they're here for us and they want us to do better, but they're not going to do anything like a karmic would or even a twin in some ways to actually be that catalyst to kind of push you beyond your comfort zone because they are part of your comfort zone. This is the Alchemized Life Podcast, and I am your host, Ava Johanna, transformational mentor, speaker, teacher, and most importantly, a woman on a mission to bring wellness to the world. This podcast was created to bridge the gap for anyone craving more love, health, and happiness in each and every day. And with every episode, you will receive practical guidance to create magic in your own life. Combining the expertise of wellness visionaries and thought leaders, each week we will bring it back to basics and provide you with the tools meant to empower you to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So together, let's ditch the mean girl, you can't sit with us vibes, grab your favorite yoga pants, and start to find your uniquely alchemized life. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to the Alchemized Life podcast. I cannot wait for you to all listen to this episode today with Kate Rose because I love talking about love. And it's really interesting because, and I shared this in the episode, but just how this book came into my sphere of awareness. And um, I'm so interested in soulmates and twin flames and the karmic love and think it's so interesting. And so we're going to jump into the conversation, of course. But before we jump in, you guys, I'm leaving for Bali tomorrow. I I'm really excited. And last year I went to Bali and taught a yoga retreat and decided that I wasn't going to go back to Bali for a while. But in December, I started feeling this pull to travel on my own. I've never traveled on my own before and decided Bali would be the place for me to go. And so I'm going to embark on a solo traveling journey tomorrow night. And I'm really really, 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 really excited to do this on my own and to create and see just what comes up. I really wanted to go somewhere that was creatively inspiring that allowed me to kind of tune out the rest of the world and tune into my intuition and just also be independent for a couple weeks. And Bali is the perfect place to do that. So I cannot wait. And speaking of tomorrow, for those of you that have been tuning into the podcast recently or tuning into my Instagram, you know that Be Your Own Mentor is back and tomorrow's the last day to sign up. You guys, this round is so powerful. The feedback that I've been getting so far is just making my heart so happy. You can get instant access to all 10 weeks. And so that's really cool because you get to go at your own pace. But some of the things that are coming up are just like actually putting yourself first as a priority, which makes me so happy. Even moving through resistance to do it and actually showing up to do what you need, do what your soul needs, do what your intuition knows that you need, which is to finally show up for yourself, to finally make yourself a priority, to finally give airtime to your dreams and start to take the steps necessary to make them a reality. It's important, you guys, you know, there's a reason why we have the dreams that we do. It's because we're meant to pursue them. They're not there to taunt us. They're there for us to move forward and take action on. And one of the things that I'll share with you that one of my past students said that really, really stood out for me is that it really is about gaining the guidance, clarity, and know-how to create a vision and to not only create a vision, but to take action and to realize the path necessary to start your own business. Because Ultimately, the whole format of the program is there for you to do whenever you need. 
And so that means that the audio lessons are there for you to listen to, just like a podcast, whether you're driving, working, cleaning, putting on a face mask, folding some laundry. They're all there for you to make an accessible part of your day. And the reason why I decided to do it that way is because it really doesn't give us any excuses anymore. All of the excuses that we have of not having time to dedicate towards our business, not having time to dream, not having time to create are kind of nullified when we are moving through the course, moving through Be Your Own Mentor. And so it's really powerful, you guys. The feedback, like I said, that I've received from past students as well as students that have already enrolled this time around is that they're actually showing up. They're actually taking action. They're actually feeling confident that they know the steps to take necessary, not only to give themselves the care that they need to develop their intuition, to learn how to manifest, to develop clear boundaries with people in their lives, to finally feel worthy and confident and empowered, but also to gain clarity on how to bring their vision to life. You know, what it means to be connected to the soul of your business, what it means to build a community, to consciously communicate with that community and to make waves in your industry and make waves in this wellness industry and really impact people on such a profound level that the moment that they see your work, the moment that they tune into your Instagram or visit your studio class if you're a yoga teacher, they know without a doubt that they want to work with you. And we've been talking a lot about the energetics of building a successful business, a six-figure business. For those of you that didn't tune in last Thursday, tune back into that episode, the one that came out right before this one, because I talk a lot about just the energy and the mindset of operating a six-figure business. Um, But I just wanted to speak a little bit more to that because Be Your Own Mentor is really setting you up to have the foundation there, the consistent practices and foundation there to step into the six-figure mindset. That's why I love the course so much is because it really meets you where you're at and equips you with the tools necessary to make those changes in your life and do so in a way that's really easy and fun and playful alongside a great group of people because there is the private Facebook community group there. And so if you've had the tab open on your desktop, if you have been going back and forth about signing up, sign up, do it, take the leap. You will not regret it. And again, you get to do it at your own pace. You have lifetime access to it. So there's no restrictions on time or anything like that. The only restrictions that are coming up are the excuses that you have. And for me, 2020 is the year where I call out my excuses. I call out my resistance. I show it compassion. I honor it for all of the protection that it's trying to offer me, but I move through it and I do the damn thing. And so you are just like me. You are no different. It's time for you to do the damn thing. And so Show notes is where you're going to find the link to show up, to sign up for Be Your Own Mentor. Again, tomorrow's the last day for you to sign up. So I don't want you guys to miss out on it. There's payment plans available. If you guys have any questions, send me a DM and let me know. Otherwise, I would love to celebrate you on the inside of the course. So when you sign up, send me a DM too so we can celebrate together and just, again, recognize this huge statement that you're making to yourself, to the universe, to everyone around you that you are here to do the damn thing and 2020 is the year that you get to have it all. Fuck yeah. All right, my friends. So if you were a past Be Your Own Mentor student, or if you are enrolling this year, I'm so excited because in addition to Be Your Own Mentor, I have my 10-week VIP Business Accelerator group program. So that is an add-on to Be Your Own Mentor. And in fact, if you sign up for the group program, you also get free access to Be Your Own Mentor. So for those of you that wanted a little bit of extra support and accountability, link is in the show notes to apply for the program and learn more. I'm accepting applications now through the beginning of March because the program starts March 16th. So if that is something that calls to you, it is 10 weeks of career transformation alongside the most 
badass group of women. Holy shit, this group that's coming together is so rad. Um, And I'll be guiding you through different calls, different topics, all about learning how to position yourself in the industry, how to network, how to get on podcasts, how to work with brands, how to build an email list, how to master a sales call. It's rad. And I'm so excited for this program. I cannot wait. And so again, you can find the link in the show notes to apply for the program. Be Your Own Mentor is included as long with all of my other courses. If you sign up for my group program or my VIP one-on-one coaching program, you get access to all of my courses, which is super fun. But other than that, I hope that I see you either on the inside of Be Your Own Mentor or in the inside of the VIP group coaching program because these containers are fucking special and magical. And I want to just sprinkle all of my fairy dust on all of you. So you just feel abundant AF and experience the overflow that I've been experiencing in my business. Because again, we get to have it all. Why not you? Why not me? Why not? And I don't think there's any good answer to why not, you know? (laughs) It's all just excuses. And so... Allow yourself to see the excuses, show yourself compassion, and then show the fuck up because you deserve and are worthy of a life beyond your wildest dreams and lots of magic, lots of abundance, all of your desires. We deserve it. We really do. And they're not given to us, like I said, just to taunt us. They're there because we get to create a reality out of it. So anyways, when I get really excited, I obviously talk really fast. Um, But again, I'm excited for this episode today with Kate Rose. Her book, You Only Fall in Love Three Times, is so good. It talks about karmic love, twin flames, and soulmates. Kind of blew my mind throughout the book when I was reading it, as well as when we were in conversation. Um, It's interesting as you're going along listening to it, I'm sure you'll start to think about different people in your life that you've dated and where they fall into or which category they fall into. So enjoy the conversation. If you guys love the conversation as usual, make sure to give us a shout out on social media, whether that's posting it on your Instagram stories, tagging the podcast at The Alchemized Life, or maybe you decide today's the day that you want to leave a five-star written review. If so, screenshot it to me. I've got a special gift for you. So now's about that point when I could continue rambling on talking about all the fun stuff that I have going on or jump into the episode. So I will spare you guys me rambling on and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Alchemized Life podcast. I have like the biggest smile on my face right now because I am about to jump into such a juicy conversation with Kate Rose, who is the author behind You Only Fall in Love Three Times. And you guys, this book couldn't have come at the better time. I was just telling you, Kate, how I received your pre- the press copy of the book. And I was like, I should read it. I should read it. And I wasn't looking at it. I was like, kind of looking at it, but I never really opened it up. And then I got sent it again. And it was like in the midst of all of this like upheaval of so many different aspects of my relationships and my patterning. And when I received the, the second copy of the book and I knew as I was opening the package before I even knew what was inside of it, that it was your book. That was the moment when I drew myself a bath, sat down and read through about 90% of it in one night because I was so hooked. So thank you so much for coming on the Alchemized Life podcast. I cannot wait to be selfish and ask you so many questions. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me. I was so excited to be able to do this, especially so close to the release date. It's so exciting. I know. Congratulations. So this is going to be released a little bit later, but your book came out yesterday. And I just want to like reverse all the way back to the beginning. Usually our, our, you know, our journeys and what our purposes come from is our own personal journey. So what inspired you to dive into love and specifically like looking at love from this lens of spirituality and really... 
how we're all intertwined through lifetimes and lifetimes. I mean, honestly, it was it was my it was my own experiences at first because I couldn't understand one sometimes why love had to hurt as much as it felt like it did. Um, I didn't understand why these relationships that seemed like they would last forever fell apart. I didn't understand why you know two people who loved each other why the love didn't seem to be enough. And then I started looking and and realizing that it wasn't just me that was experiencing this. That wasn't just me that was having these questions. So then I started to see that these aspects of why don't things work out? You know, why does it have to be this way? Because it's being experienced in a much more universal aspect that there was a purpose behind it, that there was a lesson for all of us and looking at how that transforms you know, the, the aspect of love being the vehicle for growth mm-hmm. instead of necessarily love being happily ever after, then it completely changes that dynamic of whether a relationship is successful or not. Isn't determined by whether it lasts forever, but whether growth occurs. And if growth occurs, then it was necessary. So I got into all of this just because of my own questions and my own broken heart because I was like, okay, it it has to serve a purpose. (laughs) I can't see it in this moment, but it has to serve a purpose. And then talking with other people and looking, it's like, okay, like there is something bigger going on here than just love and just whether it works out or not. Yeah. Do you feel like you had like a pretty spiritual upbringing and that is where the the mindset of there has to be a purpose for this comes from because I know for so long when I didn't, cause I didn't have that upbringing. I was like, what is the purpose of this? There can't be a purpose of this. Like, <laughs> So did you come from like a pretty, just like more mindful background growing up? Um, I actually didn't. Um, I'm an 80s baby. And so I don't really think that mindfulness was on the lips of many people. Um, I was brought up in like a standard kind of like religious household in which like we went to you know church on some Saturdays and you know celebrate holidays, but it really wasn't that spiritual. I think for me, I was born with something within myself that did crave a greater meaning. And I didn't always feed that desire or acknowledge it. Um, and as I went through my life and kind of moved on and, and ended up observing a lot of what happens in life and seeing how there is a pattern and there's a connectedness, I started seeing that e- even in those moments where they brought us to our knees, it wasn't that wasn't the end moment. There was another part that it correlated to that corresponded to. And so when we look at things like that and also... Maybe I wasn't brought up in the most mindful household, but even as a child, I went through a lot as so many of us do as we grow up. And in my mindset, I just couldn't believe that all of the things that I experienced was for nothing, that it was just randomness. And so I think I was kind of looking at that whole aspect of spirituality and and having things mean more than just face value at a younger age to try to gain meaning and clarity of my own life. And then growing up and realizing, wow, this is an entire way of living. This is, you know, kind of like you said, you know, as we get older, we realize that this is a way of living and that just that lens and that perspective of it completely changes everything. I was having that conversation with a friend that if you have, you know, two groups of people, one who moves through life thinking everything is a coincidence, nothing means anything. And the group of people who think every single thing means something, whether it's the song on the radio, the message from a friend, you know, a feather on the ground at their feet, hearing a word in a store, whatever it is, 
those are two vastly different ways of experiencing life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting while you were saying that, I was kind of thinking about how we now I have this perspective of I'm like, oh, okay, you know, like this happened to me then and now I'm stronger and I've learned mm-hmm. this lesson in X, Y, and Z. But when I was a kid, some of the things that happened actually like created these limiting beliefs and these blocks and these stories in my mind that have actually been really challenging for me to overcome. But I think that this kind of leads into, and you touch on this in the book, more from a relationship aspect of like the karmic love. Whereas these lessons that we're learning, whether we're in relationship or not, are really like karmic lessons that we are meant to learn throughout this lifetime. And so even if as a child, something bad happens and Mm creates some sort of story, it's not that we are like being negatively impacted by the story. It's that it's actually this like karmic lesson. And like, there is a method to all of it, um, a method to all of the madness. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, and I had, I had stories that, you know, galore that, you know, I personally had to work through. My main one was abandonment that, you know, that love was abandonment, that there was, you know, nothing that was for certain. And that if there was love present, then I had to constantly work for it in a very codependent way to kind of prove my worth. And that was a big part of my story of realizing that abandonment and that rejection is not mandatory and that I can actually shift. And now at this perspective, you can see, and and for all of us, whether our inner child is still leading our relationship expectations and behavior or whether that formed healthy adult who maybe isn't completely there because none of us really are. I mean, once we're on this journey, it doesn't end. But there is a difference between letting that hurt child who didn't get what they needed, you know, with that story, how that op- that person operates in relationship versus the adult who's trying to do better, who's trying to be aware. And that's what a lot of this is about because that, that karmic love, it is so deep. And there is such, you know, kind of that almost addictive nature within it which is necessary because nobody really wants to delve into our childhoods. Nobody really wants to go through that pain and being able to admit that, okay, this is the purpose of this. And that, you know, because we, that means we have to leave that wounded childness behind. We have to grow beyond it. Mm -hmm. And if, even if we say we want to, sometimes leaving that is so difficult. So the karma relationship has that strong pull in nature so that we stay, so that we can work through those lessons, so that we can you know, show up for ourselves and go through the difficult times and the hard times and be able to come out the other side. And with the karmic love, it's not just that fact of being able to look at, okay, this is how we operate or operate within relationship, but then we can take what we learn there and we can say, okay, like we can really go back decades in our life and say, wow, I've been choosing this type of partner because of what I experienced as a child or because what I was told about love and relationship as a child. And that enables us to not only heal any wounds, but to let go of any storylines that we've been told about, you know, make sure you marry someone of a particular gender, make sure you marry somebody who has a job or who's from this racial or socioeconomic class or marry anybody at all. I mean, we can do whatever we want to as far as defining our relationship. So as we kind of move out of that karmic love, we're really in that place to not only make different relationship choices, but also do so from a much healthier and healed place within ourselves. Mm, Yes. And I want to get into all three different types of loves that you touch Mm -hmm. on in the book, because I think that they're all so different. And I think that as people are listening, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, yes. And what I noticed (laughs) is that as I was reading the book, 
I kind of had like connections between each of them. I was like, wait, wait, wait a second. But like, Corey kind of reminds me of my soulmate, but then he also reminds me of my twin flame, who's my husband. Um, and then I'm like, Jason, my like first like boyfriend in um, in high school is like my karmic love, um, but maybe he's my twin flame. Like, and there's, <laughs> oh, I was like, I was going through like all of the like serious relationships that I had, and there were like connections between each of them. So before we jump into like each of the different types, I'm curious. What if all of our past partners feel like soulmates or feel like the karmic love or feel like twin flames? Can we have multiple of each? We definitely can have multiple of each. I mean, the one that we really tend to not have multiple of is our twin flame. Mm-hmm. And But the thing is, is that we can only gauge our perspective from where we currently are at in our life now. Yeah. And none of us, you know, are at that lifetime. I mean, Unless, of course, you know something happens tomorrow and that ended up being it. We don't really know how the journey is going to play out. We can say as of this moment, someone is X, Y, and Z. That's it. But really, that's only true up until this very second because literally next moment, something could change and that could change our perspective. Mm-hmm. So as far as the karmic and the soulmate, that's why sometimes it's a lot easier to actually be able to identify the relationship, you know, previously anyway, after a past. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, after it passed, okay, even without this book, we could look back and we could say, oh, that person, I learned more. Or, you know, that person always has that special place in my heart. But now with this book, we can look at these qualities and we can say, okay, yes, this person kind of felt like this, but I, there, it seemed like the, re- the purpose of it was more to learn or to let go of things. So that probably was my karmic, you know, whereas we could say, okay, with my soulmate, that was someone who literally kind of always feels like home to a degree. Like this is someone that you could not speak to for likely two decades and fall right back into that same space. Um, and the major, you know, the major factor with all of that, because everybody has free will and nobody particularly comes into somebody's life, whether to just be a safe place like a soulmate or to hurt you in many ways that a, a karmic partner often does. But it's that choice and that free will of growth. Because the only thing that really and truly separates the twin flame from the other two loves is that by the time this kind of relationship and love comes together, both people, both partners are at that space where they do believe and have done some of that self-work. Both partners believe in a lot of that aspect of awareness and consciousness where they do want to do better, where they want to define their own lives, where they're operating from a healthier standpoint, you know, so the insecurities would be minimized, you know, the, the personality aspects of say codependency or anxiety, that would be diminished. So a lot of times what really separates the twin flame from karmic or soulmate in many instances is just the fact that now you have two people who are at a similar space who both want to grow individually and together. And then that makes a completely different relationship. Whereas like a karmic, usually it's one or the other and a soulmate, it's not, even if they feel like home, growth isn't the major factor of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So let's talk about the three different types. We've kind of touched on them a little bit, but let's start with the soulmate because I feel like so many of us here, uh, oh, he's my soulmate or find your soulmate. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of the work that I've done is realized that soulmates can come in many different forms. My Some of my best mm-hmm. friends are my soulmates too. Um, what... What is what is a true soulmate? What is what is their purpose in our life? And do you think that to add on like a part two to the question, do you think that 
most people end up with their soulmates? So to answer the first part of it, so a soulmate, like you had said, can be anybody in your life. I mean, there's even such the belief that we can encounter certain pets that can be, you know, a soulmate or have that connection. So soulmate is really just the belief that it's part of a similar soul family, which means you've traveled through lifetimes together in different roles, whether it's as friends, lovers, parents, siblings, whatever it may be, a soulmate is just someone who's from a similar soul family. When we have members of our similar soul family together, they're almost like guides on our journey. They're people that we are meant to cross paths with in every single lifetime because they help our soul continually evolve because we are a benefit to each other because we understand one another. So when we have that romantic soulmate relationship, it's where you have that aspect of the soul family tied in. So there's the understanding, there's the compassion, there's you know that easy kind of back and forth conversation. But now we're in these bodies where we feel a romantic connection, where we feel an attraction to one another. And so it's like you have this very, even somewhat like you were saying, kind of amazing platonic soulmate friendship, but then you introduce attraction and sex into it. And a lot of times that is what kind of draws us into the relationship that makes us wonder if there is anything outside of this, because that's almost like being with, you know, the quote unquote, your best friend. And I think a lot of people do end up marrying their soulmate or being with their soulmate. But the difference is, is oftentimes with our soulmates, even though we kind of are meant to come together and help each other on the journey, if we marry our soulmate, there's only a certain level of kind of soul evolution that we're going to be able to go through in our life. Because in most cases, your soulmate doesn't want to, doesn't want to kind of trigger you or cause you pain. So they're not going to help you kind of reverse a lot of the wounding that you kind of either accumulated as a child or that you're carrying over from other lifetimes. Soulmates usually tend to take it easy on us. They, they're here for us and they want us to do better, but they're not going to do anything like a karmic would or even a twin in some ways to actually be that catalyst to kind of push you beyond your comfort zone because they are part of your comfort zone. Mm. Where do you see this playing out? I'm thinking like almost as like if you look at like money triggers or something like that, like a soulmate potentially like challenging you enough to like move through some of them, but not like fully master the wounding that you picked up as a child. Is that a good example? That's that's a perfect example. Um, and it's also, you know, a lot of times two soulmates, because they're part of that similar soul family, they will kind of also be more apt to be accepted by your 3D parental family. Mm -hmm. So usually if we do marry a soulmate, it's someone from like our similar background. Maybe we even grew up on the same street together. Um, It's someone who seemingly like fits in very much to our lives. So then we also don't get to grow beyond what did your parents expect for you versus what do we actually expect for ourselves? what were we put in this life to accomplish? And so a lot of times what we sometimes do too with our soulmate is we inadvertently end up carrying on that familiar trauma or bonding or wounding because we're making a lot of the same choices that our parents did instead of actually growing through it and healing that and then deciding what it is we were meant to do or that we want to do in this life. Mm. Do you think like having this information... And maybe someone being with their soulmate and loving them so much could potentially like 
almost like fragment the cycle of um, staying within that same familiar wounding or those same stories and really challenge their soulmate to almost not become their twin flame because I know it's separate, but Mm -hmm. like embody that energy. Absolutely. And that's, that's kind of what I hope. I mean, with this book, I think the most amazing thing is that, yes, we're talking about relationships. Yes, we're talking about love. But if we really want to be honest, if we're aware of what we're doing in our relationships, and if we're aware of what someone passively represents to us, then not only is it breaking that cycle, but it's literally, you know, we hear about, you know, you know, healing the, the, the trauma or the bonds of our ancestors, or whatever. I mean, this is stopping, this could potentially stop so many patterns of being with, you know, the person for the wrong reasons or abuse or emotional manipulation or, you know, even stereotypical what we need to do as far as love and romance or partners. And this could really stop all of that. And that's what's so interesting about this is if you have, say, two soulmates who have been together and say, read this book, and then they're like, oh my God, like, why are we together? What should we do? Is this, you know you never know. It could potentially start those conversations of growth, but we don't get to growth without some sort of discomfort. Mm -hmm. So you would have to see two soulmates who then say, read this and then have like that, you know, moment, that coming to God moment of, okay, this is what we did. I basically married my mother and I married exactly the person, you know, and oh, look at, they live down the street from us. Like when they have that aha moment, then what they would have to do is basically start kind of bickering. They would have to have some sort of push and pull between them of, okay, I'm not comfortable. Are you going to grow with me? I'm not comfortable. Are you going to grow with me? What, what direction should we go and who are you? And it's very difficult, I think, for most people to have that push and pull in relationship, but still have that bond. So if you have two soulmates who can begin that push and pull, yet give each other enough space to grow with that love, then potentially you could see that relationship transform if they chose to consciously be together, the only thing that we encounter is that a lot of times the more growth we do, often we don't make the same choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's that only kind of X factor is potentially we can see the relationship playing out like that. But does our healed adult self make the same decisions that our wounded child does? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's so interesting. And I feel like you're like speaking to my soul right now because I have like fully been experiencing this over the past few months with my husband. Like I know without a doubt that he's my soulmate. And so as I'm like reading your book, I'm like, oh no, is he not the right person for me? But we've been having all of these really, really powerful conversations where we have had to start bickering and we usually don't fight. We usually don't like Mm. get into this uncomfortable state, but we have had to like really rise to the occasion together and sit down and hold space for each other in ways that we hadn't before. And it's been so fucking uncomfortable. I have seen so many parts of my wounding come up and so much of my control come up, but it has brought us so much closer together. And we know like we're still very much like on the journey together and there's like a very long path ahead of us, but it has transformed in a way that um, I'm like honestly like shocked by. Like I went into so many conversations with just my walls up of like, I'm growing and, you know, I'm going in this direction. And, you know, just like this like ego space of like, I'm off to the races. But I think that that also brings up the point of like, one of the things that you write about in the book and like that comes into the karmic love thing is if we're not healing, we're going to continue to complete or we're going to continue to repeat the same patterns. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And 
you know, I almost, you know, teared up just hearing, you know, your story that you just said, because it's absolutely so incredible. And and that's what that is all about. And actually, you know, when you're saying it was really uncomfortable, my thought immediately is, isn't that amazing? Because we have to be uncomfortable. We have to risk being uncomfortable. And I think that's what separates us, all of us, regardless of what we call a relationship, that uncomfortableness factor is what separates are just okay love from our amazing love <laughs> because we have to be able to be okay going through the discomfort because not only is it us being able to sit with our egos who are like, no, but I want it this way, you know, and dealing with our inner child who's just like bawling and crying because they're not getting the validation, you know, and then we have this love for this person in front of us who's going through the same thing, but we're both having to be vulnerable and show each other our ego and our wounded child while still consciously seeing the other as the adult that we married. I mean, it's just, it's so dynamic and so amazing. But like you said, when two people can hold space for each other, but that's also giving, you know, as an example of you and your husband, you both are at that space already growth-wise where you can hold space for one another. Mm -hmm. Where you know what that means for individually, for both of you of that fine line of holding space for him, but also holding space for you and him vice versa, it sounds like. And so, you know, when we're looking at that, you know, in comparison, you know, to that karmic love, it would be like, okay, do we actually learn from going through something or do we continually see it? And a lot of times we'll see that either in the relationship where we continually have conversations and nothing actually changes, but we don't actually make that conscious choice to leave. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we'll either say, well, we have no other option, which we all do have a choice. We're all humans. We all have an option of free will. Or we kind of put it off and blame it on the other person. Well, things would be okay if they just listened to me more. Or things will be better when the children are grown. Or things, you know, we put it, we put the reasoning on this outside source. Um, so that whole aspect of, you know, the karmic bonds and, and healing that pattern, we can see likely that pattern even come in before the karmic. But it's our karmic partner that challenges enough. One, because of that strong, usually there's a very strong physical connection, but they challenge us enough where we can't leave it. We can't run away from it. And so our only option is to actually face what they're trying to show us, what keeps coming up. And sometimes we need multiple times. I've spoken with people and, and I myself, you know, have had multiple karmic partners because the universe is like, okay, well, you didn't really learn your lesson with this one. So we're going to keep giving it to you over and over again. <laughs> and a lot of times, each time they give it to us, it might even get more painful. It yeah. might get even more like so much in your face that you can't ignore it. But it's also wonderful because that just shows that we can't mess anything up. Because I know that that's a big component that people sometimes really worry about is, what if I missed my big chance? Or what if I missed my chance at love? And how the universe works is that if there is a soul on this earth such as the twin flame, that it's 110% meant for you, we can't mess it up no matter what we do. Whether it's going through certain lessons to get to that point, whether it's the meeting of that person, whether it's just the universe saying it's not, it's not time yet, whatever the reason is, we can't mess it up. So sometimes we have to go through multiple karmic partners. Sometimes we have to go through multiple scenarios for us to get to that space. But when we have this aspect of our fate, that eventually our souls will choose free will and otherwise, then there is nothing that can mess it up, whether it's time, distance, or other people. Mm, that's so cool. And I feel like it's just like 
Ah, like I feel like everyone that maybe is like still looking for their partner can just like take a little bit of a weight off of their shoulders. Like, oh, okay, they're on their way. And exactly. And you know what's what's interesting too is that I've definitely gone through the fear of what if like what if this is my only shot? What if this is my person Mm -hmm. and I'm like screwing it up right now? Um, And I was having a conversation actually with another expert in love, and she was like, "Well, you know, that's like really operating from a place of lack." If you really mm-hmm. that like this is your only shot and like this is the only person on the planet, like you are operating and thinking from a place of lack right now. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah, you're totally <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it's also that ego point of being like, okay, I'm messing this up and this is my only shot. And you know, and the lack in the ego, I feel like get us in trouble more often in our romantic relationships than anything else because even that attitude of lack is, you know, I'll never meet anybody again. Nobody will ever love me like this person. I'll never have, have as sex as good as that. You know, I'll never have all these moments. And so it's constantly not only thinking that we already don't have something that we haven't yet even encountered. So it's setting up that expectation. But it is that ego because a lot of times we're in that space and we're like, what if I did this? What if I did that? Not only are we assuming that we have control over a situation, But there's also that standpoint of the fact of our ego being like, I can influence something so much to the point of ruining it, or I can influence something so much to the point of saving it, or it's all on me. Where if we take that step back and we realize all we're personally responsible for is our best on any given day, which on some days is amazing and others, hopefully for all of us, is just laying in bed reading, you know, whatever our best is on any given day, that's all we're responsible for. And we can't actually affect the relationship to the point of surviving or not. We can't actually affect the other person's choices or not. And when we take that step back and realize that instead of, you know, both people we look at, you know, kind of melding together, it's more of like both approaching one another and holding space separately, but together. Mm. Can you be someone's karmic love while they're not your karmic love? Does that make sense? Like, is it a mutual agreement or can it be like one-sided? It absolutely can be one-sided. And I can't tell you the number of women that have contacted me with, with this, you know, male who the male is always usually very charismatic. He's usually fantastic at sex. <laughs> He's usually had his way, you know, or, you know, relationship with many women, um, kind of does lots of like the love bombing. And they ask and they say, is this his purpose to do this in his lifetime to multiple women? And from looking at the patterns and cycles, it looks like absolutely, whether it's male or female, you can have someone in a relationship who is going to catalyst that person to change, to grow, to evolve, but that person may not be ready yet. Mm. How I have seen eventually that person will come around, but it has to be that time and place. But I have seen many instances where that person is not aware yet of themselves. They're not aware yet of the interactions of why they're doing things and they're not ready to grow. Mm. So that, and that's, and I, I talk about that in the book about the difference and the, you know, the similarities between this catalyst love and the words twin flame and the words karmic. So a lot of times, if it is only one-sided, that's especially when we'll see that karmic partner become a catalyst when they will kind of challenge our inner child, challenge that wounding, challenging that, you know, rejection and all of those feelings and us wanting just to be loved. 
they'll challenge us so much, but they won't be challenged themselves Mm -hmm. because it's not their time yet. You know, they will get challenged by the person that they need to, because no matter who we are or what we kind of have personality wise going on, eventually we're going to meet somebody if we're all on this path where we are going to be challenged enough, but not always. So absolutely the karmic can be Mm one-sided. Absolutely. That's so cool. That's interesting. And so like, I mean, the bottom line of all of this is like, start to become self-aware. So (laughs) (laughs) what what work do you feel is necessary to do on your own versus necessary to do in a relationship? Because like I said, you know, sometimes we get into a relationship and we're just like, you know what? screw this. I'm out. Like I'm a Scorpio. So I'm very much like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like I'll cut my ties and I'll go. And I realized that, that I'm, I, I kept realizing that I was dating the same guy over and over and over again. He just had a different name. And so what work do we got to do on our own before we start doing work in a relationship? Well, it absolutely is that self-awareness. And, you know, we can tie in that mindfulness from, you know, the earlier aspect and, you know, even your Scorpio nature, Scorpio loves truth. You know, that's kind of like the ruling theme for Scorpio. But no matter who we are, we have to get to that place where we can acknowledge who we really are and what we're doing and be honest with ourselves. Even if we don't want to be honest with even our best friends, like if we can at least admit, okay, I am really scared of being rejected. I don't know if I really love myself. I don't know if I really have confidence that someone's going to love me for me. If we can be really honest with ourselves, even if it's completely scary and even if we're not quite sure we want to do it, that's the biggest deciding factor. Because when we actually admit and kind of base call us on our own shit, then we're in that place to start making different choices. And we rarely ever actually make that admission or, or start speaking to people about it before we've done it for ourselves. So if we're at this place where we're not sure what to do in our romantic relationships, if we're kind of stumbling around or dating the same guy or girl over and over again, or even running back to our comfort zone or our safe person, whatever that is, sometimes it's really difficult to take a time out in your relationship because it's one thing to be out of a relationship or even casually dating someone and know that you have to kind of call yourself on what you're doing. But it's a whole other matter to be in a relationship or in a marriage and start having those feelings and not knowing what to do about it. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing is, I mean, is even you don't want to say or do something without actually thinking about it. So whether it's you consciously just expressing to your partner as communication is so important that you are going through something personally, that you're trying to figure out a little bit more about who you are and why you do things. And you're asking them to be patient with you and understanding while you go through that. That's really all that would need to be said for someone to actually take that moment and start thinking about what they're doing. Then if you are in a relationship and you come to the conclusion, okay, this person is part of a pattern that I'm doing. I'm not able to consciously you know, be my authentic self. I've realized that I have chosen a partner once again that's based more on what I haven't been getting in my life than I hope to receive and want to give then we can start making choices. If we're not in a relationship, obviously, it's a lot easier because to really be single is really the best way to get to know ourselves and really go over our flaws and go over the things that people have told us that we need to work on or the things that we feel badly about. All of this, so we get to that place where we can love all of us, when we can see, okay, yes, this may have happened as a child, but now I have moved through it. And now it doesn't mean that we're never going to be triggered or we're never going to have certain feelings arise. 
but it means that we can make different choices. So the bottom line is time away, time to be with ourselves and that honesty factor and really want to grow. You know, that again, that's that difference between the soulmate karmic and twin is that oftentimes with our, by the time, you know, we get to that twin flame relationship, us and our partners both want to grow so much. So even if we were to take a pause within the relationship for some self-reflection, the other person's like, yay, me too, <laughs> you know, and they're like much more supportive or even if they're not that ecstatic about it, they can say, I completely understand, you know, let me know how I can best show up for you during this time. Mm. But with, you know, if we're not at that and we do realize, you know, the, the harshest thing that any of us can do is either making decisions too quickly or putting off making them at all, you know, whether we're in the relationship or without. So it's that time. And, you know, whether it's, I kind of call it when I'm working with clients is that, you know, take the pause, take the pause, whether you're taking the pause with yourself in dating, whether you're taking the pause with yourself and you're single, or even if married, practice that, that pause so that you can really reflect on what it is you're truly feeling, what it is you're doing and how that corresponds to your inner truth. Yeah, I think that it's so important too. You know, I'm going to Bali for a few weeks on my mm-hmm. own and um that was very intentional to be able to like take time for myself to like think in my own brain and like be in my own heart and not feel influenced by anyone around me or influenced by the relationship and the prox- the closeness and the proximity. Mm-hmm of of my husband and when i brought that up to him when i was just like yeah i want to go to i want to go to bali um by myself he was like great like where am i going to go when you're gone like i where should i go and so i think that it's really empowering to have those types of like timeouts basically to mm-hmm. continue like making just making sure that you're in alignment and it doesn't necessarily always have to be in the relationship it can just be like am i in alignment with like my own personal journey of growth or are there any areas where i've been kind of like holding myself back or allowing my ego and fear to guide the way? And how can I start to like fine tune those areas that I want to work on, on my own? It's very empowering. Well, and that kind of even emphasizes a little bit more about the relationship differences, because usually if we're just with our soulmate, our whole idea and concept of personal growth and time away, and even the benefit of what that separation does for enhancing our own masculine and feminine energies. I mean, that's not even something that we're thinking of. If we're in our soulmate relationship, very rarely are we thinking about just taking time away for ourselves. It's being very usually traditional where, you know, okay, well, you don't want to be, you don't, you don't want to take me on vacation with you. Well, what's wrong? What did I do? You know, again, you, you can hear like that ego in there and you can hear a lot of that traditionalism that sometimes isn't authentic for us. With our karmic partner, because of that addictive nature, it's almost like we can't be without our fix. So mm-hmm. even if like we have this idea of, okay, well, it would be nice to go away by myself. There's still that, but can I breathe without this person? Can I, can I do anything without this person? I don't want to be without this person because then it's like, we don't feel good. Yeah. So when we get to that twin flame, when we've kind of learned and are ready to show up for ourselves in a more conscious, authentic way and for our partner, then we absolutely can you know have that time away because what we end up learning, and I, I think it's such a beautiful example of you and your husband, is that being together forever and having this amazing love isn't about kind of walking side by side, never leaving each other, you know, being in the same page. It's about being so uniquely yourself that you can actually enhance the journey for the other person just by being you. 
mm-hmm. by, you know, showing up for yourself, which is what you did. And he was like, well, awesome. You know, where am I going to go? And then, you know, looking at himself, well, he gets to show up for himself now. Mm-hmm. So it's basically being stronger together, that whole separate but together. Yeah. Where, you know, we don't need to live the exact same life. We don't need to do exactly the same things. We don't need to do any of that. But it's more of just that complementing nature instead of the completing. And I think that's what we end up learning with time. Mm, Yeah. So let's dive into twin, Twin Flame. We've already talked a lot about it. So I'm sure people have quite a good idea of exactly what it is. But I've also heard that like the Twin Flame relationship can be very rocky as well and very jarring and triggering in ways. Um, but when I read your book, it was like, it was actually like, this is what we're looking for. This is what we're searching for. This is the ultimate relationship. And so it was a little bit different for me to be reading that after hearing like your Twin Flame is going to be that like massive trigger in your life. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think part of why I felt so drawn to write this after working with all of the people that I have and everything is that it breaks my heart when I hear stories of people who said that they're waiting for their twin flame after eight years and they haven't spoken to their twin flame, you know, in eight years, but they're patiently waiting for that person because there's no romantic relationship on the planet, no ideal, highly conscious love that's going to make anybody wait for eight years, basically not even participating in life because they have this idea that this person is it and that's it. Or the person who, you know, excuses every poor behavior or every choice that hurts them or abuse or whatever it may be because they've been told that the twin flame relationship is supposed to hurt, is supposed to cause all of this. So I think what we've actually done is we've really confused what twin flame really means from the catalyst and the karmic relationship that so many of us are experiencing. You know, that twin flame, if we look at it, and twin flame is a historical concept. I mean, we didn't just suddenly cook this idea up in, you know, the 20th or the 21st century. We didn't do that. This has been around since the beginning of time. In, you know, in Greek mythology, it was the aspect that humans originally had, you know, two heads and four arms and four legs, but we were too strong. So the gods had to separate us. And you know, then over in more Asian culture, it's the red string of fate. You know, every culture kind of, you know, even Bali, you know, the diva in DV, you know, like the whole masculine and feminine. So this is something that has been around for ages. And so when we're looking at it and we have to understand that the object of twin flames is a very highly evolved spiritual conscious relationship. The purpose of twin flames is not just to come together and make babies and live happily ever after. It's to change one another and then hopefully and eventually impact the world in a positive way. So when we see this, there's no relationship that's at this level that's going to hurt us, manipulate us, and then make us wait for eight years or 10 years. So that's why I think it was so important to really get this out because we need all of us to take responsibility for ourselves, to be able to, again, accept that truth of what we feel, but also what's being presented to us and not, you know, kind of wait around or be in these relationships just because we attach or our ego attach a title onto it. When in reality, our twin flame may be the person who works three doors down from us, but we've never realized it because we're so stuck that this other person who's ghosting and hurting us for three years is our twin flame. Mm. And so that was a really important message that I, I really want people to get, you know, get out of this is that your twin flame 
no, no relationship is, you know, all rainbows and sunshine and they're going to cause you growth. They're going to challenge you. And there's going to be those up and down moments. But the difference with our twin flame is that you're not going to see a lot of those characteristics that you're going to in the karmic. So you're not going to see the ghosting. You're not going to see the manipulation. You're not going to see codependency or narcissism or any of those things, which if we often look at the stereotypical twin flame, that's really what a lot of it's talking about. That's where a lot of those qualities are. So the twin flame relationship is one where it's two people who basically have been through everything under the sun. You know, we people have been married, usually have kids or be older and had their heart broken. We've given up on love. We've, you know, traveled. We've kind of come to that moment where we actually know who we are and we love each other. And usually we kind of reach that space of, okay, maybe I'm okay alone. Maybe I'm okay with whatever it is. And kind of once we reach that point of being okay with ourselves, of not living in that state of lack, not letting ego kind of drive us of what we should be doing, not operating from that place of woundedness, we'll often kind of stumble unexpectedly across this person. The only kind of trick here is that, yes, it could be somebody completely new, but it can also be someone from our past that because we hadn't yet healed, we didn't even notice them to be our twin flame. Mm. So it very well, it can be either someone brand new or it can be someone that we're like, oh, well, I had written them off as this, but now they're here and they seem to be on this similar page and we're both growing. So when we come together with our twin flame, there's going to be challenges. There's challenges in anything. But the difference is, is that there's such this aspect of growth. There's such this understanding that we don't want to sacrifice the other person's individualness, that we want to be able to kind of make up what this means, that, you know, we're talking to each other and and aware of, you know, that holding space aspect. We're aware of what we're bringing into it based on, you know, what we've previously accumulated in this life as far as our woundings and our triggers and what we're carrying over from our ancestors. And so when we get together with our twin flame, yes, there's, you know, a lot of this growth and healing that occurs. But it's also, it's a very healthy, it's a very fun, positive relationship because we have all of this. So it's not like our twin flame is just this serious relationship. We can have a lot of fun. We can have a lot of joy and a lot of love. But the difference is we don't need them to be our comfort zone, like our soulmate. And we don't need them to hurt us to the point of learning like our karmic partner. Hmm. So now you have two people who have that mutual base of understanding and love, really not only kind of making the best of each day and living what they feel their best life is, but then also they're making kind of the world around them a better place because of it. Mm. Do you think you can meet your twin flame earlier on in life? I definitely think it's possible. The only thing that it it doesn't seem is that if we do meet them earlier on in life, it doesn't always seem that we have enough lessons to Mm. be able to recognize it. Um, I definitely think it's possible because I think anything is possible. But even if we meet somebody age and life tends to change us in ways that we would never have imagined. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, if even if we do think of somebody as our twin flame, again, we can only operate up to our current point of living. Yeah, and that's that's so interesting to like recognize that like you might think that they're your twin flame, but you only know like you only have this like very Mm-hmm. Um, you know, minuscule view of your life, especially if you've only been alive for 25 years or 30 years, you know, you only have that to judge everything off of. But what about the other half of your life that's coming next? 
Well, exactly. And I think that's why this whole idea, you know, of us not even, you know, it's even bigger than that, really. I mean, I do personally believe that we are souls. I believe that we do get reincarnated and that we move through life lessons and we have soul contracts in each life. And I believe all of that. So when we look at it, even as, you know, people, I I hear people and they say they're like, you know, their thirties and they're like, we're never going to be together in this life. I just know it. And it's like, how do you know that? And they get, you know, that's not only that lack, that's that ego, but we don't know anything. Yeah. I mean, you, you and I could both get a phone call tomorrow that could completely change our entire path of life. Mm-hmm. So what this book is about is giving us the knowledge to be able to look at our lives up until this point and be able to bring more awareness to it so that hopefully relationship or not, twin flame or not yet, we can start making those different choices. Mm, I love that. And how do you recommend for somebody reading the book and listening to this podcast to not get so caught up in the label and the identification of soulmate, karmic love, or twin flame to like really allow themselves to be open and to have the awareness around the entire process and really look at it as that like lens of growth? I think the biggest thing is just you have to be okay with where you're at first. Because if we're not okay with our position in life and who we are, then it's going to be really hard to be able to read a book where potentially, you know, say you're in your second love and it's amazing. Well, you might get kind of triggered by that because, you know, you might consciously start recognizing things and it doesn't mean that that second love that that person is in in that moment is going to end. But it just means that perhaps, again, according to our moment of knowledge and understanding that there is something greater. So I actually have a friend who messaged me. I I got it earlier today and and that was her exact situation. She's like, I got your book. I don't want to read it though because I'm in my second love and I don't want it to end. (laughs) And so I, I said to her, I was like, well, just wait. Because the thing is, is that sometimes what I actually said to her is that sometimes what we think of as our second love might change even reading the book. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't, you know, we don't maybe think about, you know, that person in high school or, you know, that short crush. We might not think of it as a love relationship. But sometimes in reading the book, we might realize, oh, wow, like this person wasn't my second. Like it didn't have as many of the principles as my third or my first. And so we might come to a completely different understanding. But the also really piece of information is that if we are in that, you know, second love and we're in that, you know, kind of honeymoon feels amazing phase. If this book can save someone a little bit of that suffering time of that, you know, that addictive going back and forth, then it completely served its purpose. So we don't have to necessarily be triggered, but we can be aware when we read it. Yeah. So that, you know, and we can have that, you know, knowledge for moving forward. Yeah. And it's just understanding too. I think just having understanding helps us to feel so much more just, I don't know, just like, better sometimes of just having a general understanding of what we're going through makes it a little bit less scary, a little bit less heavy, a little bit less intense. I've had many loves, a lot of crushes, lots of loves. I've definitely (laughs) said I love you to a lot of boyfriends, more than three. So for us with all of those like filler boyfriends, um, (laughs) no offense to you. No, I I really like that, the filler boyfriends. The filler boyfriends. So are are they just filler? Is that what it is? It's like they're, they're the three that are there and then the rest are kind of just like fillers? Well, if we look at it, sometimes the fillers end up having principles of one of the loves. Mm, so okay. the filler, you know, the fillers could be like, okay, did 
Did we learn all the lessons from my soulmate? Did we still try to fit into a cookie cutter mold? Did we still try to kind of make other people happy? Did we still think that, you know, the Disney notion of romance was what we should be striving for? You know, with our karmic, you know, did we learn from our lessons? Did we actually, you know, start to love ourselves? Did we start to separate from our families? Did we face our wounding? So those fillers, a lot of time, even if they were shorter relationships, and even if they only, you know, address, say, that aspect of acceptance or validation, we could even start seeing, okay, why were we in these filler relationships? Did these filler relationships really provide us with that affection and the validation that we weren't able to give ourselves yet? Mm. So even those filler relationships, if we're able to, again, look at things from that perspective, we can see that even the filler relationships are connected to one of the loves and then even serve its purpose for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes back to like remembering that everything does really truly have a purpose. And even thinking about like one of my high school boyfriends, I definitely know that I was likely karmic love for him and he was just a filler for me. So <laughs> even even like look at, looking at that, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. So like there was a purpose for him and in some ways I like noticed my own tendencies as of being like a really shitty girlfriend. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, and ab- and absolutely, you know, and like I can even like reflect on mine and I can be like, okay, well, I was a karmic for this person, but this was a karmic person, you know, for me. Yeah. And, you know, and then those situations, of course, like then there's the soulmate. But what's interesting too is sometimes when we are moving through this and when we are only looking at this point of our lives, sometimes we do encounter those people where we're not sure which to put them in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I've worked with people too, where they're like, well, I kind of like what you said, like, I thought this was a soulmate, but then this is happening. And so that's why I think it kind of comes back to that awareness piece and kind of just reading everything with an open mind, you know, and an open heart, um, kind of letting our ego go to sleep a little bit while we read the book, I think is a really beneficial thing. And just kind of taking it as, you know, you would if you were, you know, having wine with girlfriends and just being open to what possibilities and what light bulbs, because even if it reflects and kind of triggers things to look within yourself, it still serves its purpose. And I think, you know, the number one thing that I always hear from people, which I love in my writing is that it made them not feel alone. And I think you kind of hit upon that when you kind of described what that awareness or, you know, what reading it feels like. And I think even just realizing that okay, I'm not the only person who keeps making that choice in my really, you know, romantic relationship. I'm not the only person, you know, to go through hard times or, you know, to want to be loved so much that we end up actually hurting ourselves. So I think just realizing that we are all part of this shared collective human experience and how the romantic relationships that we enter into actually reflect on where we are personally on our journey. I think it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And also I think to just like reflect that we're capable of changing too. If we can read the book mm-hmm. and see that there were people that had light bulb moments as well of like, oh, now I have this awareness about my own patterns and my own behaviors and I'm going to actively shift them. It gives us like a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel to know that we're not always going to date the same guy or we're not going to be stuck in that same abusive relationship or he's not going to ghost us or text us back. Mm-hmm. But there, there are other ways to experience relationships because there's all of these examples there too. Absolutely. And I think one of, you know, the most important thing that I always talk about, especially when I'm working with clients or on retreat, like I was last week with a bunch of wonderful women is that we also can't rush our process. So even if we were, you know, say this, you know, woman sat down or or even man and they read this book 
And they had that, that oh shit moment that they were in this karmic relationship. They could feel it. They could sense it. They just knew it. It doesn't mean that they have to then end the relationship tomorrow. Because the thing is, is that we can't make a choice because somebody else wants us to, or because we feel that we have to, or that it's the, you know, it's the right thing if it doesn't feel like our internal truth. Because say, you know, say you have two girlfriends and, you know, one of them is in a bad relationship and they say, oh my God, you need to break up with this person. It's horrible. And so they basically convince you of it. That doesn't mean that you actually learned your lesson. Mm-hmm. When we actually learn our lesson, it means that we're able to make these choices for ourselves. So for someone that read this, that had that, you know, uh, aha moment, it's really about being able to be at that place and we can't rush that. So there's been time, you know, I've, I've worked with clients and I can see that what they're about to do will eventually only end up hurting themselves. But it's not my job to tell them no, because they have to be at that space. And so it's that same thing with relationship that we have to go through what we go through and we will know when. We will know when that moment is to leave our soulmate. We will know when the moment is to leave our karmic. And that there's no, there's, there's no rushing it because every single thing that we go through, even if it's difficult, even if it's challenging, it's something that we're meant to experience. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the recognition, uh, the recognition I had was that I was going to continue making that same mistake if I just like didn't look at it actually in the relationship that I was in now. And so I think that when you like talk about the karmic love, instead of just like being like, oh, I'm in my karmic love, I'm going to break up with them tomorrow. It's like, <laughs> what made me taking a step back and asking, well, what have been the trigger points for me in this relationship? What has really, really like made me feel uncomfortable, has made me like want to like retract? And how can I start to like, actively now with this awareness, begin to learn the lessons. And then when when the lessons click, that's when I can leave. And that's just it. Because a lot of times when we're first, you know, having that realization, that moment that, okay, this does feel like my karmic, we don't often, or even our soulmate too, either one, we don't often feel strong enough to leave. We don't feel confident enough in our choices and our beliefs because there's also, and I go into it in, in the book, I'm not sure if you got to that part, but where it's so difficult to actually leave somebody that we love. And it seems like we're taught growing up that we only will ever have to break up with people or end a relationship if we no longer love them. Mm-hmm. And so that's why everyone ends. When and I think reality, what the sad reality you know, that we all have to kind of come to is that we usually will end up ending relationships, not because the love isn't there, but because we realize that either we want two separate things or we have grown beyond one another or we've served a purpose already in each other's lives or we've reached that point. And so realizing and understanding that someone is our, you know, our soulmate or our karmic, it's the point after that that becomes the, the most kind of meaty of the whole experience where we actually now can say, all right, well, if, if it looks like this, exactly, why did I choose this relationship? Why am I still consciously choosing it? What self-beliefs do I have that are enabling me to be in a relationship that's either keeping me within a comfort zone or that is hurting me? Because the thing that I, you know, it's never about the person that we're with. That's something that we always have to come to terms with because of course we don't ever, you know, as these humans with like these crazy egos, we don't want it to be us. We want it to be them. You know, it's not you, it's me. We say that, but I don't really think we believe ourselves. But nine times out of 10, we end up being with people 
who literally are a mirror for how we feel about ourselves at that given time. Mm. So even when with our soulmate, oftentimes we're kind of scared to see who we really are. We're scared to kind of experience life. We're scared to say, well, yeah, you know, mom or mom and dad or whoever it was, you may do it that way, but I want to do it this way. So we attract people at that point who kind of are at that position of growth. With our karmic love, we often are at that phase of maybe we feel unworthy. Maybe we don't know how to self-validate. You know, maybe we don't truly love ourselves or we don't accept ourselves. And so we attract these people who also don't accept who we truly are, who also, you know, say, well, I love you, but I don't love that part of you. Or I want you to change or hopefully you'll change, you know, or they do this. And so we end up in these relationships that really are a mirror for where we're at. So if we realize that, if we realize that we're in the soulmate or the karmic mirror relationship, what ends up changing is once we're aware of that, we do our own work and then that person's no longer a fit. They're no longer a mirror of us because we've changed and grown. And that's the point when we can make our own conscious choice and say, it's time for this to be over. And we can close it with love because not because we made a split decision, but because we let ourselves grow so that that person was no longer a mirror for how we feel about ourselves. Yeah. And I think that those are really powerful questions to ask yourself too. But I definitely think that it's also really hard to leave somebody when there is that comfort there, when there is that love there, and you sometimes can't do it alone. So do you work with people in supporting them through that stage? Like how can people work with you um, um, alongside like the book as well? I absolutely do. And the the coaching and counseling, I, I actually, I did receive my master's in, in a counseling field. And, but I love doing this with people so much more because most of it, I'll do in-person sessions if people are around, but most of it's done on the phone. And I love it because kind of like this, when you're in your own personal like home atmosphere and your jammies, you just naturally feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. So we end up having these like really deep, intense conversations that maybe you wouldn't have if you had to go sit in a couch in an office and you know yeah. you hear cars driving by and it's not your it's not your comfort zone. Same thing. So for, if people want to work with me, they can go to my website. I have a whole section. I do have a limited number of monthly coaching spots where we talk once a week or we can do one time calls, which I tend to do. And that's my that's my favorite thing to do. I love speaking with people and hearing about their stories. And I always say that I my goal is a really autonomous practice where it's not my job to tell you what to do. And how I look at it is I am a guide to help you decide what you want to do and need to do. Mm-hmm. And the retreat that I just had in Bali last week was amazing because I ended up, I think half the retreat was women that I have coached for a couple of years now. And so we all came together from all over the US and the world and we all got together in Bali at a villa. And I actually heard from one of the drivers there that he couldn't believe, he didn't find out until afterward, it didn't occur to him that we had all just met this week because he said he couldn't believe how we all clicked and everything, you know, how deep we were talking and all of that. And you literally just had one week and he couldn't believe it. And that's what comes from having like that authentic connection and relationship. So it really is such a beautiful, a beautiful experience. And it's, it's yeah. definitely one of my favorite things. I love that. I totally agree. Going on retreats and hosting my own retreats has been the most like expansive experiences ever. It? It's Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. And it's what's so great too, is I always say, and I fully believe that it's not just about this space that I create, but it's in bringing everybody together and how that space, how each person ends up being a benefit because someone's going to, someone has something to add. You know, it's not just me, the teacher, it's that we're all teachers and we can all add something together. 
Yeah, absolutely. So people can obviously work with you one-on-one and your book Mm -hmm. came out yesterday. Where can people find your book? I think my book is available everywhere. (laughs) It's available Mm -hmm. Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Apple and SoundCloud or SoundCloud. I mean, I have audio version. It's all out there. So and they can actually, if they're really questioning, you know, how to get to it, if they go to my website, which is wordsofkaterose.com, there is a little section called books and they can click on there and then actually be directed right to the site of where they want to purchase it from. Amazing. And we'll link that all in the show notes. And for people that want to follow you um, on social media, where can we find you? You can find me on Facebook at Words of Kate Rose Club, on Instagram, Words of Kate Rose, and on Twitter, uh, the same, Words of Kate Rose. And again, if people do want to work with me or are interested in any of the upcoming retreats, which I have a few this year, they can go right to my site and find the information there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been such a great conversation. Uh, Thank you so much, Ava. It's been absolutely amazing to speak with you. 